Low Energy Reimagined Series, bringing diverse perspectives on the intersection between energy, technology, and tangata and Aotearoa. Brought to you by the Energy Academy. This podcast series showcases over 50 esteemed speakers navigating our four big LUMO themes energy and humanity, energy tomorrow, just transition, and energy's future story. Thank you to our partners Orion, Genesis Energy, Ara Ake, Energy Efficiency and Conservation Authority, also known as ECA, Christchurch New Zealand, Ministry of Social Development, and Ara Institute of Canterbury. Thank you to Ara Ake, who is partnering with us on our theme, Energy Tomorrow. Kia ora koutou. welcome back to the Lumo Energy Reimagine series. Today I am lucky enough to be uh, have time with machine learning expert and founder of Akarnum AI, Asa Cox. Asa Cox is the founder and CEO of Akarnum, an AI company making it super simple for fintech product leaders to add intelligent features into software. He started the company in Wellington in 2016, leading the team to work with Henry, Ike GPS, UBCO, and many other awesome companies. Welcome, Asa. Thank you. Great to uh, be with you. Looking forward to it. Cool. Um, so our discussion here today is um, around machine learning, but for people uh, that don't understand that or even know what that is, what is that? What is machine learning? Yeah, you're, you're right. There's a number of different ways of looking at it from what you see in the movies to kind of the Terminator and that kind of stuff, kind of, you know, AI is going to take over the world, um, all the way down to the other spectrum of kind of just thinking about it as chatbots and that kind of stuff. So, so for me, from a more technical I guess perspective it's all about pattern recognition it's all about machines being able to do some things better than humans so um, if you think about huge amounts of data um, machines can process all of that a lot faster than the human brain Uh, if you're connecting things together so lots of data in lots of different places again those correlations and patterns again machines are just better at doing that Machines don't get bored of doing the same thing over and over again. They don't mind the kind of task switching type stuff. Uh, And also machines now have been trained, taught how to look at images, how to listen to audio, how to read documents, right? It's not just about Excel spreadsheets anymore. It's really any kind of information. You can train a machine to learn how to do something. Um, and that's really what it's all about now. Um, so what can the energy sector uh, expect from the journey with um, AI and machine learning? I mean, the energy sector has a lot of data, right? huge amounts of data, not just from the consumers and all the devices and the energy consumption. You've got the generation side to it, huge machines, huge power plants. Um, there's a huge amount of data there. Then you've got the transmission piece and the distribution piece and the retail piece. It's just energy sector has data everywhere and there's a lot of insights a lot of intelligence a lot of learnings a lot of patterns that will be found in that data and so when you think about the journey that you could go on um kind of if you liken it to the personal experience we're getting in the entertainment sector right um, covid lockdown has meant we've got kind of addicted to streaming uh, entertainment whether that be uh, netflix whether that be spotify whatever it may be And that personalized experience we've now become accustomed to. Kind of that's our expectation, right? As you you know something about me, you should be able to give me something that I want. (laughs) It probably is easier for you to tell me than me go out and find it. And the energy sector isn't anything like that right now, right? I mean, the 
when we think about our utilities, we're like, oh, it's just a bill, right? It's just, we don't like dealing with our energy companies, right? That's just the way it is. Um, whereas we like dealing with our entertainment provider. Um, we're even getting towards liking transport. If you think about Uber or booking an airline ticket, it's kind of just the experiences are a lot nicer. And a lot of that is because it's powered by machine learning. It's using all of the data to create some patterns and make some recommendations. Um, it may be predicting what we're going to do before we do it and therefore serving it up. So it's kind of nice and easy for us. Um, our pricing could be more personalized. So based on our um, consumption, our devices, our location, do we want to be more green focused? Do, are we more price conscious? Are we trying to save up um, because we're going to get an EV and we know our... So it's kind of, there's so much that could be done with the data that the energy sector, yes, it needs to kind of crawl and then walk and then run and then figure it out. It's not going to be the Netflix for <laughs> energy overnight, but it's just getting on that journey because that's what we as consumers want. And then you kind of think about from an industrial perspective, there's huge complexities there. So how do we manage the demand when suddenly, whatever, two out of three people have EVs? Like that just changes the game in terms of the load on the network, the generation required. What happens if the weather patterns continue to change? Are we gonna get more or less rain? Are we gonna get more or less wind? Is geothermal gonna change? If we've got battery storage in cars or it's at the edge, like there's a lot of complexity there. And we know that energy companies need to make big long-term investments, big long-term plans. So again, huge amounts of data and patterns. And then you get into the practicalities of the energy sector and you've got preventative maintenance for windmills. You've got repairing power lines. You've got um, digging up roads to lay down power. It's like, Again, huge amounts of data, huge amounts of patterns, huge amount of predictions, um, cost savings and efficiencies. It's like whichever way you turn in the energy sector, there's an opportunity for machine learning, which is why it's so exciting. Uh, you spoke about the, the, the crawl to walk to then run. Um, in terms of those certain areas in the crawl, what can be done uh, now to help? Yeah, good question. Um, I think that's... That is one of the important things to understand is it is a journey. You can't just go straight to um, being transformed by machine learning, right? There is a journey because it involves people, processes, technology, it involves change, it involves organizational structures, all that kind of stuff. So in terms of what does crawler look like, if we were to look at, I guess, maybe we look at three different views at the consumer end. So at the consumer end, a crawling might be we predict that you will use this much energy if you stop using your heat pump when the weather is above 15 degrees, you will save this amount of money. Right? Just a real basic prediction based on the data that they have on me as a consumer. So that's one crawl, right? It kind of feels really powerful, but actually that's kind of straightforward now in machine learning terms. So that's kind of a crawl for consumers. If you look at the um, energy generation or the industrial side to it, kind of similar. So um, you could begin to look at um, looking at more accurate weather forecasts using machine learning that would then be able to predict how much generation you would have across um, water, wind, edge generation, whatever. Right? So 
at the moment, a lot of those models rely on the Met service. I'm not trying to diss the Met service too much, but we all know the weather, especially in Wellington, um, is a little bit different on an hour-by-hour hour basis than the forecast's going to make. Like they do say you can't beat Wellington on a good day. It's true, and, it, and it's, it's not a bad day. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but we, you kind of, we've, I think in New Zealand, we've come to expect, especially you know, in places like Wellington, where the weather forecast just isn't, doesn't turn out to be real, right? And so if you're, um, if you're using those kinds of forecasts to predict your energy generation, then maybe you've got some advantages by using machine learning a bit more. And then in the industrial, in the field kind of space, um, like we did some work with uh, TransPower for using um, machine learning to analyze photos of power lines to identify when they are damaged. So instead of having a human hanging out the back of a helicopter, looking at the power lines and going, that one might be damaged, that one might be damaged, they then had drones flying, and then we used machine learning to identify. And so that's, again, another example of a crawl. The impact's pretty big, but you're not trying to change TransPower or the whole company using it. You're just trying to find a little proof of concept or a pilot project. And you've spoken about sort of the... the the, the bigger sort of spectrum of it with the how do you make how, how can machine learning enable us to have a personalized experience with, mm. with energy bringing it back down to you know the, the macro yeah I think as I alluded to before we still feel like we're an account number right you kind of it's just all about the bill you look at the bill you go yeah, that kind of feels about right or wow how did it get that high or oh gee this was a bit cheaper this, this time and so it's how do we move from being that account number to more like feeling we have a kind of a trusted relationship not that we necessarily want a relationship with our energy providers but it feels more like there's more value being added i think um in other countries there is a lot more connected homes and smart homes i think in new zealand we're a little bit i don't know whether we're scared of that a little bit we kind of think that um, they're going to take over our home somehow and the washing machine is going to get up and eat us in the middle of the night i don't know what <laughs> what the big fear is um but if we to, could get to the point of allowing the energy companies access to our uh, consumption data so we could say this is the washing machine this is the time dryer, this is the heat pump this is whatever then we can imagine a world where um, they would be able to turn things on and off or they would be able to send us a reminder saying oh did you know your heat pump's been on for half an hour longer than normal do you want to turn it off and you just you, there's like there's ways in which that experience of energy and our energy providers could be a lot more personalized pricing right so maybe we tell our energy company hey look we're going away on holiday for a month um, so we know they're not going to be spending much here how about you give me a plan which recognizes that i'm only going to use energy for 11 months of the year right? there's just a lot of little things which they have our data it's just they don't use it to give us a personalized experience and that's that's i think what we continuously want from the key places we spend money, whether that be education or health or entertainment or whatever, but energy, you know, we're all spending, whether it be fuel or electricity, we're always spending money there. And we're like, well, how do we get a better experience? Um, how, how much do you think the, the movie Terminator has, has really impacted <laughs> uh, people's thoughts around, uh, you know, the, the machine, machine learning area? Massive. I, I first came to New Zealand be eight years ago now um, and I spent some time in North America, so in kind of Silicon Valley and Toronto, where, where AI was becoming a topic discussed at a business level. When I came to New Zealand, it, it wasn't at all. 
and talking to execs across different industry sectors, including um, energy, the prevailing wisdom was, we don't want to talk about AI because it's going to take all of our jobs and it's going to bring about the end of mankind, right? Because of the Terminator. And that, that was, when was that movie? That was late 90s, mid 90s, early 90s. I don't know, it was a long time ago. A long time ago, yeah. <laughs> and that was still um, the prevailing, is either that or it was like the Jetsons yeah. or Space Odyssey, something which was like in a movie that was painting a futuristic picture that included this artificial intelligence stuff. And so either people were scared of it because it was something we didn't want to embrace because it would challenge humans, or it was so futuristic there was no point thinking about it just yet because it's a tomorrow technology, not one for today. And so I spent the first really few years um, when we started the company just educating people on the fact that this is real. It's already being used in places like credit card fraud and um, recommendations on Google and that kind of stuff. And it is accessible. It's not scary. It's not going to take your job. You know, it's just a way to get more value out of your data. And I guess speaking on behalf of everyone else, I'd love for my power bill and, and my bills in general just to be a wee bit low if it could, you know, I need to turn off my, my lights here and there, my washing machine. So um, you, you spoke about sort of the having to talk to people, talk people out of that mindset of, uh, you know, the Terminator and, and all that type of stuff. What are some other barriers um, that you face with machine learning? It all comes down to data. Um, and one of the big issues we've seen as we've got a little bit deeper into the energy sector more broadly, and we've run some webinars and so on with people across the industry, it's very clear that the industry players don't share data. So the people that have the meter data don't share it with the um, retailers. And so as a, if there's no connection between our consumption and our pricing, how do we get better pricing? Well, there's, there's very little... Um, sharing of data between the different um, distributors or retailers or generators. It's kind of like they're all trying to protect the data because that's what they believe is their competitive kind of weapon. Whereas if we were to have more of a shared vision of what the energy sector should look like, which is more customer-centric rather than industry profit-centric, not that people shouldn't make money, absolutely, but then there isn't that shared vision, there isn't that shared data and that's really holding a lot of things back and we've we've seen that you know, the healthcare sector is kind of similar we kind of know that up until recently there was no way that we could go from one hospital in one region to another because they couldn't actually share your medical records right kind of similar-ish in um in the energy sector if you were to have a batch in one place and a home somewhere else you, you can't get combined kind of offerings because the data doesn't get shared so I think data sharing and just a unified vision are the two big things which are holding the energy sector back. And if those two, two big things happen, what are some of the opportunities that, um, that can you know, come? Yeah, I think um, one is there's a, a huge amount of efficiencies to be gained. So um, that means hopefully, one, we don't use as much energy. Um, we don't have to pay so much for the energy, but also that it's likely that there are more profits to be had from the industry. So rather than just taking the profits out of consumers' pockets, they could take it out of efficiency gains, right? So that's a big thing, I think, is just the economics of the industry could be really improved. Um, and then I think we will also get more innovations. You know, with if people are sharing data, there's a bit more of a common vision. Then there's going to be more innovation because it's then possible because... Right now, people like us and other startups who want to get into the energy sector, you need data. 
And if you can't get it, you can't innovate. And that's just going to hold everything back. So that's going to be huge. Um, and then I think also the possibility of um, bringing it into our lives in a positive way. So again, not just the bill, but actually an experience to go, I feel like I have been more energy efficient today because I've got some data that shows me I've made good decisions. I changed my behaviors. I was nudged by my energy company to you know, turn this thing off or to use this mode of transport. So it's having that kind of connected energy experience, which sounds very kind of vague and a bit futuristic, but that's what's possible and it is happening in other countries. So jumping back to the personalization of uh, machine learning, I, I, me personally, I love sort of getting those suggestions from Spotify and um, some other apps. Um, how can that be implemented in um, other areas of uh, everyday life? Yeah, I mean, that as you say, I'm now on Spotify. I go to the um, recommended playlist that they've created. I'm like, I can't even think what I want. But if I click on one of those five things, I'm like, I'm, I'm happy. It knows that much about me. Um, so, yeah, that, that's something which is beginning to be applied in things like education. So you think about learning journeys. At the moment, our education system or training, whether it could be on the job or tertiary education, whatever, it's kind of um, syllabus based. Like you need to learn these things. You need to understand this to get your tick in the box, right? Whereas we know we learn in different ways. Just like with Spotify, some people may always go latest releases. Some people may always go category. Some people may always go favorites, whatever. Um, and for me, I always go to just tell me what I want to listen to. Cause, so that's just a very different kind of journey. So there's ways in which you can learn on, on rails, which is basically other people like you did this and this is the recommended next step and the recommended next step. And you can see in education that could kind of make sense. So if you've got a learning profile um, where clearly through the data collected with um, technology and kind of education technology, you could then build a profile which is like, okay, little Johnny learns in this way and he's very similar to little Holly over here. Let's kind of map their journey in that kind of rails way. Whereas others, which is maybe more self guided, then want to go, actually, I want to discover different things. I'm going to be really random and go from um, something to do with geography and the environment to something to do with sports performance, whatever. And that's not a pattern until lots of people do it. And then it becomes a pattern. You go, Oh, Oliver looks just like Jane because now we've seen those patterns of randomness and it's not so random. It's just because this is their kind of profile. And if we imagine translating that into energy, it's then like, okay, if you've got your energy journey where currently you're just a consumer, how do we get you to start connecting your devices? So then you kind of get um, better energy efficiency and less cost, or how do we get you on a journey to considering don't um, continue to put petrol into your car go to public transport and the money that you will save here let's put into battery storage so it's how do we get people on those journeys which currently doesn't exist and as i said because there isn't that connected kind of world but you can imagine a learning journey for energy is kind of what we need because i'm in that same spot you know i've got a petrol car i want to get to a less environmentally impactful um, world, but I'm, I've got a really steep hill where I live. So I'm like, on the way home, how am I going to get from, from, the, um, from the train station to my house? So it's like, there's got to be ways that we can use all the information we've got to say, ah, 
there's actually somebody up the road who's happy to rent you a electric scooter, whatever. There's got to be ways that we can kind of pull all that together, but it all takes data and a bit more of a shared vision. So was there anything that Arcane are currently working on that um, you can you can share with us that is moving towards sort of um, a better better future? Yeah, so we've, um, through Wellington connections and actually through um, playing football, we've kind of got a few interesting connections in the broadly the decarbonisation space. So um, I'm kind of good good friends with the CEO of Kogo, um, the company for good, which is kind of really helping consumers make um, conscious decisions that are less impactful on the environment. So they work with um, banks and analyze your spend to go, actually, if you've gone to this shop instead of this shop, your carbon footprint would be less. What we're looking to work with them on is how do you apply that to government, right? So how do we go to a government department, look through all of their spend, uh, analyze it in terms of carbon um, footprint, and then start making recommendations using machine learning to say, actually, tell you what, if you'd, um, instead of spending all of this stuff in this particular, with this retailer or with this vendor who ships stuff over from a long way away, if you'd chosen a local New Zealand vendor, that your carbon footprint would be less, kind of stuff like that. Um, similarly, we're working with another local company called Black Current who have um, monitoring sensors. And they go into uh, places like Victoria University and big farms and that kind of stuff. And they're collecting information that helps companies plan their investments in renewable energy, so um, whether it be e-electric vehicles on the farm, whether it be solar power or battery storage. And so we're working with them to analyze all of that data to start making suggestions and give insights. Um, but then also using that same data to prevent um, fires in farms. So it's kind of really interesting. Once you start collecting the data, there's a lot of things, different things you can do with it. Uh, and then thirdly, there's some regulations coming in soon in New Zealand around new construction projects where you have to be able to calculate the carbon over the lifetime of a building, which is crazy to start thinking about. But when you start making choices of, okay, if you're gonna use a construction company that doesn't have electric vehicles, you are using carbon to build your building. If you're getting timber from um, this um, timber merchant a long way away, because it's slightly cheaper, but you could have got one locally, you got less carbon there. If you are not using energy efficient systems in your building, you're going to be consuming more energy, which will have an impact on you know, um, power and so on. So there's regulations which have to um, kind of, you have to demonstrate that. And we're trying to apply machine learning to make that process a lot easier. Because it's a super complex thing. You can imagine how many materials go into a building, how many utilities are being used, how do you maintain it? So preventative maintenance is a huge way to save energy. So if you can start using machine learning to predict when a, a boiler or a heat pump or whatever is gonna start being less energy efficient and you can spend an hour tweaking it and it will become better, then again, you're kind of reducing your carbon footprint. So there's a lot of exciting things that are kind of connected with the energy and the decarbonization space, which um, yeah, which is something that we're super, uh, super excited about. And where can, um, where can the listeners uh, find you and the team? So you can come to arcanum.ai um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, it's kind of hard to miss me, but that's uh, Asa Cox NZ uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, we do have a Twitter accounts. Um, we do also um, do have a number of uh, events that we're kind of helping run and getting involved in meetups and that kind of stuff. So, um, but easy easiest one is to reach out by email, and that's A S A. There's my name, Asa at Arcanum.ai. 
Well, um, thank you, thank you, Asa, for um, sharing sharing um, your knowledge on uh, machine learning and um, enlightening enlightening me on some of the things that uh, are out there and potentially going to happen in the future. Um, and coming from someone that would love my bill to go down, I appreciate that. But then also um, looking at it from a um, you know the future uh, kids. Hopefully, they have a um, you know with the machine learning talking about the. Um, them directing them in a potential way that they can go and um, looking forward to seeing how that sort of plays out and how that path works out for them. Absolutely. I, you know, machine learning isn't going to destroy the world. I think it's got a much better chance of saving it than it has destroying it. So let's just change that thinking and get excited about what it can do. Cool. And thank you very much. Thank you. Keep an eye out for our other Lumo podcast, exploring the big ideas facing energy. We have an esteemed lineup of speakers from across energy, tech, law, humanities, and more, challenging the status quo in service of positive energy future for Aotearoa. Go to energyacademy.co.nz forward slash Lumo for more, or check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. <laughs>